everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap one. Tongues won't spit. Ain't no rules to spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tune in to the front of it. No, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the rap is a I hope that you're ready. We get to win in the zone soon. We only grow shit. Welcome to the rap room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest. <laughs> I'm in a good mood tonight. <laughs> uh, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it 100, y'all. So on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, shit like that. That's what we like to say, Todd. We say shit like that. You can speak. You can say something. No, and that's good because <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you, you being that clear and, and that upfront because shit like that is what makes this entertainment industry work. Exactly, exactly. If, if it doesn't, then you shouldn't do it. <laughs> this is a business you have to enjoy doing. No doubt. Yes, it's work, but when it's work you enjoy, it's that much better. It's supposed to be. So y'all hear him. That's my man, Todd Grodnick over there. Uh, we're over here live, y'all. We got it going on. We're here at the Lot stu- the Lot Studios, right? Correct. Yeah, here in Hollywood, <clears throat> in um, Todd's kick-ass little office over here. It is so cool. We got to shoot something here, Todd. This is a badass office. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so just so you guys know, my co-host, Lisa Bolacaja, is um, um, on staff right now with, with Bitch Flicks. So I'm going to do a series of one-on-one interviews um, with a couple of my producer, director, writer, actor friends. And uh, Todd is one of them, one of my close friends. I love Todd. So... Go ahead. You can say you love me back. I know that. I, I was going to. <laughs> it, it wasn't actually in the script. It was in the so. script. You didn't see it? You didn't oh, see it, it, it was at the bottom of the no, page. No, I see it. It's highlighted. <laughs> Be sure to say you love exactly. me back. Exactly. It was in bold, as a matter of fact. Actually, it was. You're right. <laughs> but I do sincerely. Exactly. Otherwise, I would not have agreed to this. <laughs> so you hear how we guys are on the... On the rant room. So, like I said, that's my man Todd Grodnick right there. And um, if you groan, let's get it in. So today, like I said, we got my man Todd Grodnick, producer in the DGA, the Producers Guild. Um, God, you've worked on all kind of movies over the years. Now you're, what do you say you're like a development producer now? What do you, what do you call yourself now? Well, I'm, I'm basically a producer, independent producer. Mm-hmm. Part of what I do because there are so many different types of producers. But I'm the kind that likes to develop or work with writers to rewrite an already written script, Mm -hmm. take it into production, finish the film, and have it distributed. So I'm 100% from beginning to end. Okay. You script to screen. Yes, exactly. Love it. Love it. it. All right. Well, let's let's just give the people a little background on where you're from, how you got into the business, and how you got to where you are now. No, certainly. Uh, Basically, you know, Small town in Minnesota, right in the Midwest, so when it comes to knowing what it's cold, I know what cold is. <laughs> Which, it's not that way here in L.A. So when I, when I hear people that are natives of L.A. and mm-hmm. they think that 56 degrees is cold, I laugh. <laughs> I will walk around in my regular shirt and 56 clothes. 56 is freezing, Todd. Come no, on, it's man. not. <laughs> it's bloody cold I used to outside. go to the Vikings games at 30 <laughs> degrees below uh-huh. and didn't care that when I ordered coffee... Or, or in my case, as a little boy, mm-hmm. I ordered hot cocoa, mm-hmm. and they would hand it to me. Okay, I take it back. I ordered, I ordered something cold. I ruined my story. But if I would order something, no, I didn't ruin it, actually. I didn't think about it. So I'd order hot cocoa, but they would hand it to me. But between the time they handed it to me and I sipped it, it was cold. Ah, okay. Okay. Because that's freezing. That's freezing. Okay. 
LA is not freezing. Okay? <laughs> um, I can save money on not buying heaters. It's not yeah. So anyway, I was born and raised in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, okay. uh, which just by coincidence, only because they're shooting here, currently here at the lot, the Coen brothers are filming their yeah. newest movie. Mm-hmm. And they were also from St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Right. I met them and was speaking to them one day mm-hmm. and just briefly said, no, oh, and by the way, I'm from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And Ethan said, where? And I said, St. Louis Park. And he's like, oh, my God, that's yeah, where yeah, we were yeah. born, too. That's right. So that's a nice little community. So coming from Minnesota, I didn't understand what Hollywood was like. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I had to study film and was lucky enough to be accepted into the USC Film School, okay. which everyone knows is now, the finest. Now, did you always know you wanted to be interested in film, or did that come later? No, I'll tell you how that came about, and it's a good question. Is While I was in high school, my senior year, I took a still photography class, okay. and I was really interested in photography. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that this particular teacher, unlike others, um, allowed and wanted her class to make one Super 8 millimeter film. Okay. okay, now that might tell you a little bit how old I might be, <laughs> that they actually Todd. had like Super good. 8 in those days. <laughs> Digital was a thing in the future. Uh-huh. So we did a Super 8 film. I made it myself. I wrote it myself. It was a horror type of, of plot. Okay. Um, a woman gets stabbed to death, and I don't know why, but I selected my sister <laughs> to play the role. Oh, I think um, you know why. <laughs> exactly. But I was also, prior to that, interested in special effects. Mm-hmm. So one of the old effects I did for her being stabbed was she's in her bedroom at night, and we see through the curtains mm-hmm. her being stabbed. So it was oh, that so shadow practical. effect. <laughs> but for an 18-year-old kid making films... Sure. So I made that, and I entered it into the State Film Festival, mm-hmm. and I took... Uh, a second place prize That's for good. drama. Yeah. yeah. So that said, wow, this is something that interests me. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, I said, then I want to go to film school. And I actually applied to all of the top ones, okay. which even in those days were USC, mm-hmm. NYU. <laughs> there were like four. <laughs> I'm joking. Three or four. No, there weren't that many. Because <laughs> now they're like every freaking word. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I'll be honest with you. Even today with USC, I will add to that list besides New York, NYU, and besides that other school, which... As a rival, I don't like UCLA, <laughs> uh, but they have gotten better. Uh-huh. Two other schools here in Southern California, I will praise for being good film schools. Uh, Chapman. Okay. Good, good yeah, film I've school. actually done one of their films years okay. ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, CSUN, or Cal State University Northridge, mm-hmm. also has a good film program. Mm-hmm. But so does Pepperdine. Sure. You know, but they're not as good as those four schools we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. A good school to me is one that won't just teach you the theory of film and the history of film, mm-hmm. but it teaches you the technique, but it goes beyond technique. It teaches you, and you'll like this, and so are your viewers, it teaches you good storytelling. It should. Oh, it has to. Yes. I mean, we'll talk about that, and it's not something that you're going to hear for the first time. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a good story, don't waste your time in making your film, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Because that you'll be doing just that, wasting your time. Sure. And that's why with a screenwriter I'm working with right now, and we've been working on the script for a long time, mm-hmm. But 10 months isn't that long when you consider there have been films in the past that took five years. Yep. Okay? It's called development. Exactly. <laughs> and it's also called, for someone like me, I'll admit it, I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Well, as your listeners hear this, I hope they realize it's true. You cannot write a perfect script. Mm-hmm. If you keep trying, that's good. Keep trying. Absolutely. But you cannot. Yes. There just isn't such a thing. Yeah. Okay? So here I am now giving the chance of going to any one of these great film schools mm-hmm. I got accepted to all of them, mm-hmm. and because at the time I was doing a summer internship with a commercial company where the person who owned the company went to USC, uh-huh. he said, that's your best choice. Okay. Okay? And it was. Mm-hmm. And not only did he 
sent me to that school, he also reminded me that his father-in-law was the dean of the film school. Uh-huh. Which, even in those days... Nepotism over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but even in those days, it was difficult to get into. You could be accepted to USC, but that didn't mean you were in the film school. Oh, okay. It's even harder today. Mm-hmm. But I got accepted, and that was a great thing that happened to me. Okay. Um, so that's what led me to getting into film school, and I loved my years at USC as a film student because that's what they had you do. You made films, okay, from the very first class you took to the next class. In fact, that's how George Lucas got started. Sure. He was taking a class at USC called the 310, which they still have today, mm-hmm. and he made this little film, uh, THX 1138. Mm-hmm. Someone saw it at Universal and said, oh, my God, mm-hmm. we need to make this. And that was his first film. Okay. okay? And obviously other great films came beyond that. Sure. So That's why I, he has his wing over there, him and Spielberg, right? <laughs> well, actually, he's got his wing over there because he built the building. Now, Stephen never went to USC. He went okay. to Long Beach. Mm-hmm. But obviously they're good friends. Sure. And he named one of the wings after him. It's oh, a, that's what happened. Okay. If any of your viewers have a chance, and I don't say this because I'm a Trojan, mm-hmm. but if you have a chance to visit the USC Film School, you should. Because it's basically saying to everyone, whether you went to USC or not, being a filmmaker is a prestigious thing. I was there for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was in, when I was in the Cosby Fellowship, um, I was there for like 20 weeks. Oh, okay, then yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. But they have rebuilt that school over the many years, and right now I think it's finally done. But you've got to understand, for a film school, they have six sound stages. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm here at the Lot Studios, which used to be the Warner Hollywood Studios, mm-hmm. which for history was very first time the Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbank studio back in the twenties. Did you see Own? Is Own yes. here now? Own has just moved here as of last Monday. Wow. That's cool. Um, there's a brand new building built last year. It's a five story building, mm-hmm. very modern, very beautiful. The first two floors actually belong to Funny or Die. Oh, okay. Okay, and Will Farrell has been here mm-hmm. and he's a USC graduate. Mm-hmm. And then the third, fourth and fifth floors were recently just taken over by own, wow. you know, and yes, I've seen Oprah. She does mm-hmm. now work here, <laughs> um, but it's really nice that it's it's bringing a lot more credibility to the studio Absolutely. too. And like I said, currently now they're doing that feature film for five years. They did True Blood here, mm-hmm. so that was done here. Mm-hmm. But the, I was going to say, so USC has six sound stages. Here is a studio mm-hmm. which has been around a long time. In fact, it was the Samuel Goldwyn Studios as well. Mm-hmm. It has seven sound stages. Okay. So USC is very close to being like a studio. Pretty much. They've got all the most modern technology in editing, mm-hmm. you know, and in sound equipment. One of the stages I was visiting was doing a TV show. They had a control room, which I think was just as good, if not better, than KTLA 5s. Wow. Okay? USC's got money because of Lucas and because of other donors. Mm-hmm. It's not just him. Sure. But it's a great school. But then again, if you don't get accepted there or can't afford it, Chapman, you know, and CSUN, mm-hmm. UCLA are all great schools. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, and I think you'll agree, mm-hmm. the school's only as good as you are as a student. Oh, absolutely. You know? You know, it's just like being in a writer's group, you know what I mean? You're, um, you're only as good as the room, you know? Yeah. Whether you're on a TV show or if you're just in a writer's workshop or if you're just in a, you know, writer's group with a bunch of other writers, you know, it's whatever you get out of it, you know? Because, like, I'm the type of guy, <clears throat> whenever I'm in a writer's room or whenever I'm, um, um, in a writer's group in particular, I'm usually running the room, and I run, I'm kind of strict, <laughs> so I run it like a showrunner to an extent, and um, I, I seem to find the ones that I know are going to keep going, and I will weed out the ones who aren't, and I know they're not going to make it. Yeah. And I just mean in my room, 
Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying they're going to make it in, 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 as a writer, but just working with me, I'm like, mm, I need somebody. If I need you to do it, I need you to do it tomorrow. No, <laughs> exactly. I mean? Just real quick notice that sure. in the same sense, I had a actor mm-hmm. who I was kind of you know managing unprofessionally. Sure. Actually, no, professionally, but unofficially. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So um, he was here and he said, you know what, Tom, I'm also interested in writing mm-hmm. and maybe you can guide me. So I did as far as giving him guidance to certain books that I think are really good mm-hmm. for writers. But in talking with him, and, and you know this very well, you really can't learn how to write by reading a book. It helps. It, it does help. It does yes. help with structure. And that's why I think, you know. Just goodness. so you understand what the craft is. Yeah. The thank, fundamentals. Thank goodness for Final Draft. Thank sure. goodness for Screenplay, which I went to the school with the guys who did that, mm-hmm. that project. Mm-hmm. But those are good for formatting. You know, things like that. And these books are good for understanding storytelling. But the point I'm trying to make is that he felt he couldn't write until he went to take a class, which he was going to go to USC and take one of their classes, or he read these books. Mm -hmm. And in talking with him, I finally said to him, his name was Scott. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll tell you why you're not writing. Mm -hmm. No, he's got a great idea. He told me the idea, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I said, why aren't you writing now? But by the time I got done talking to him, I heard this. He did not have confidence in himself to write it. Okay? Yeah, I'd say that's a big one. And when I basically convinced him mm-hmm. he should try it, he's got a great idea, he's a good person, mm-hmm. he emailed me the next day. He had already started writing it. Okay. Hasn't taken any class yet. Mm-hmm. Started looking at the books. He went out and bought them right away at the Writer's Bookstore, which is a mm-hmm. great store, by the way. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I still producing? Because not only do I love it, but I'm confident I can do it. Sure. And as a writer, same thing. Never doubt yourself and your confidence for yourself as a writer. Mm-hmm. I do it for actors, too. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell your writers, there's a word in our vocabulary, as a professional, you need to get rid of. <laughs> it's the doubt word. Uh-huh. Just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. If you ever use it, if you ever think you are, you're done. Well, let me tell you a personal story about myself. Because I didn't graduate from high school, right? Um, I never really went to college. You know, I got in a couple of writing programs, which is how I was able to get <clears throat> on lots and stuff. But um, I thought for years before I started teaching for the Organization of Black Screenwriters or the Writers Guild and all these other places, <clears throat> I thought for years that I couldn't teach because all the people I looked up to went to USC and Harvard and all these other big Yale, all these big you know film schools. And I was like, how am I supposed to compete with them? You know? And, and it finally took me to realize, which is why I always teach young writers now, <clears throat> if you have a script, submit it to Sundance, submit it to Austin Film Festival, see how you do. And for me, nine times out of ten, I'm always at least a semifinalist and above. I mean, every script, just about. And so I'm like, okay, so my writing level must be at a certain place. So I do it to test myself. You know, and the more I kept doing that, the more I kept, then I started winning some and then I started getting money and cash and awards and my name started getting on lists. And I was like, hmm, I must be good enough. So it started giving me confidence, you know, yeah. without the industry giving it to me, if you if you know what I mean. No, I do. And I told Scott, too, I said, you know, you're talented. Mm-hmm. I know as an actor, talented. He recently did a reading for me as the lead role in the reading. Okay. Did a great job. Mm-hmm. I have another reading coming up in three weeks. I want him to do that part, too. Okay. Okay. So I said to him, you are talented, mm-hmm. not just as an actor, but I believe as a writer. But I won't know that until you write. So he promised me he's going to write it mm-hmm. and something else, which I feel sometimes like with your show that I might be repeating things, but I'll just say it anyway. Um, but I told him with the first draft, 
don't be an editor. Just write it. Just get it out. Yeah. Spit, if you've got a creative idea, out. just put it out Absolutely. there. If you think you're seeing too long, who cares? Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'll tell you a story later about my own experience with that recently. But mm-hmm. So I convinced Scott to start writing, believing in himself. You've got a creative idea. Put it down on paper. Mm-hmm. But I also, and your, your listeners and you especially, mm-hmm. will like this. I told him, I said, but you still can't forget the form. You still can't forget your main characters, sure. your main plot, subplots. You know, all the keys to writing a good story, which you know better than I do. Mm-hmm. But I've studied them. I do know them. And I actually said, this might make it easier for you. First, write your plot. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand what the story is really about. And don't give me 16 pages of a plot. <laughs> I said, your plot can easily be said in a big paragraph or maybe two paragraphs. But sure. just get your plot down. Make sure you understand what your story is about. Mm-hmm. Then I said, take your main characters or even your lead supporting characters mm-hmm. and do a little breakdown backstory for them. Just write another paragraph. Mm-hmm. Who is this character? Mm-hmm. What makes this character? Mm-hmm. And backstory. And that's a key word for writers, by the way. Uh, absolutely. Backstory. It's the main thing I teach. Thank you. The main thing and I'm I glad teach. you do. Because Cause without I, those characters, as soon as you start writing, you know, John, 20, blah, 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 and you start going into it, things start coming about. You know, and you thought it was going to be a little paragraph. Next thing you know, you have a page and a half. Yeah. You there was a I mean? major feature film that's out right now. And mm-hmm. I just read this morning. The director was nominated by the Director's Guild for Best Director. I won't mention it, but the biggest problem I had with that film and the story was the lead character had no backstory. Mm. So I'm guessing, why did they do this? Why is he doing that? Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's, that's important. So I did advise Scott to do that to make it easier. Do your character breakdowns first. Do your plot. Once those are done and you review them, and now you know the story, just start writing. Sure. First act, second act, third act. It's all basic. So We, those, we all know story. Exactly. We just don't think we know story. Right. We right. all grew up with story. But the structure is basic, mm-hmm. and it works. Sure. Don't fight it. Mm-hmm. Use it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad to hear at least he started. Okay. But I think his biggest problem, and right in front of me, he looked at me and said, wow, you're right, mm-hmm. was the fact that he didn't believe he could do it. And I said, going to a film school, mm-hmm. whether it be USC or UCLA or any film school, just to learn about screenwriting is not going to make you write it any easier. Mm-hmm. Sure, after the, the course is taught, and you learn, oh, I didn't realize to do that. And you learn how to develop subplot better, or you learn the importance of subplot as it relates to the main plot and to other characters. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's going to help. But right now, Scott, I said, just write it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, see, this, this is why I really wanted to talk to you in particular, Todd, because all the years I've known you, every time we talked, you always have a story about where you're teaching somebody something. You're like a natural teacher. You can't help it. Yeah. I am, too. I just got the can't help it. Right. And that's one of the things I love about you is whether it be an actor, a writer, a director, a producer, you're always trying to educate people not to make the mistakes you made. You know, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, it's not just that. So you don't want me to finish my story, how I get started? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could totally get into that. Um, actually, I will briefly. So as they know, I went to USC, um, graduated from USC, and again, luckily for me, or maybe it was just meant to be. Um, I met this producer at Columbia Pictures, mm. and I met him only because I knew the film commissioner from the state, and I saw one day at his office that his assistants were addressing the calendars from that state mm. to producers. Uh-huh. And so I saw one at Columbia, I said, oh, could I deliver that? Mm. And they called, and they got permission, and I delivered it. 
Lo and behold, this producer went to USC. Interesting. Okay. Met with him. He liked me. Mm-hmm. And he asked if I wanted to work on a movie of the week that he was filming at that time. Okay. Now, movies of the weeks were big in those days. Mm-hmm. They're not big at all anymore. Which is, yeah, Lifetime is trying to do them in Hallmark, but there's Good luck. <laughs> so anyway, he invited me to do that. Although I was in my last semester of my senior year, I went back to my teachers mm-hmm. and asked, I said, Todd, you've already graduated. You've already done everything you need to to graduate. You're fine. Okay. okay. So I worked on that one movie of the week, mm-hmm. and just by sheer coincidence, it was starring O.J. Simpson. Yeah. We won't get into... So were you just pa and all over the I place? I was just a PA. Okay. But I'll be honest with you, I think I learned more mm-hmm. about filmmaking from the technical part in that one film than I did in four years of USC. Because they sure they taught me that... Mm-hmm. Again, this dates me, but surely taught me that sound real is a quarter inch. <laughs> that was before we had DAT, and that was before we had digital folks. Um, we used, still had reel-to-reel. Nagra was the greatest thing, okay? So anyway, they talked to that stuff. They talked to the basics, and yes, we made films. But now you're on a set, and you are looking at how the equipment is used. You're learning about the different dollies. You're learning the importance of something as simple as a sandbag, Okay. And I found out why they call it a C-stand. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little things like that. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, you're putting... More importantly, how to set up a C-stand. That's true. And how valuable that's the first that thing C-stand I teach is. my PAs how to do, oh, how okay. to build a C-stand. So I learned all that. So mm-hmm. after doing that and was done with that film, then I graduated. And lo and behold, graduating with this degree from a, the finest film school in USA... My first job was working in the mailroom at Warner Brothers. <laughs> Truthfully, <laughs> seriously, it was. Well, that didn't last long. Mm-hmm. That was only there a few months. And here's what I did for my eight hours. I had to deliver mail. Mm-hmm. Two hours was separating. Delivering it, six hours was networking. And in those days, Columbia was at the same studio as Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. as well as Lorimar, who was around in those days. Mm-hmm. So basically, I made a lot of connections okay. and used those connections to get more work. And just to shorten it and then get into the other question you asked about, what I was looking to do, and again from this producer I had originally met, he said, Todd, if you want to be a really good producer, you need to know production. Mm-hmm. So he encouraged me to join the Directors Guild of America training program, oh, exactly. become an assistant director, mm-hmm. learn, learn production, become a UPM, your production manager, and then eventually go into producing. Now see, legitimately interrupt you. Those sure. are two positions. If yeah. you know how to do those two, you know how to do everything on the set. Yeah. You know every department. You know how to talk to everybody. You know you know how to put out fires. And, and especially when you're the the, um, the AD, you know everything. No, you're in exactly. all the meetings. You know, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, exactly. No, you're absolutely right. I'll support exactly what you were saying. Mm-hmm. As an AD, whether it be a second or a first or a production manager, mm-hmm. you are in control of everything. You have to be. Mm-hmm. The public will never understand how important an assistant director is. Right. Sure, the credit's up there, and they look at it. And if I ask people in my that are not in the business what they think that person does, <laughs> oh, gets coffee for the director, um, gets helps the director, whatever they know. Okay, they don't understand the importance of that position. Mm-hmm. So I learned very, very well about scheduling, about mm-hmm. the budget. But most importantly, and you brought it up, mm-hmm. what I learned, and I still practice it today, which will get us into our next uh, point to a question mm-hmm. you asked. What I learned most importantly is psychologically how to deal with 150 more people Mm -hmm. as a single person who cannot upset a soul. Mm -hmm. Actors, by the way, are different than crew. (laughs) (laughs) And what you have to understand about actors real quick, and I've worked with some finest of the actors there are, okay? And I I don't see them as stars. I saw them as people that had a a call time at 6.30 a.m. So what you learn is psychologically, you can never blame anyone. You have to treat everyone equally. You've got to be nice, 
if there's a problem, don't point fingers, mm-hmm. take the blame. Mm-hmm. And I took the blame as an AD UPM a lot. Why? Because it kept things going. Yeah. Okay? So I learned so much practical experience as an AD UPM, most importantly, how to deal with people. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that goes us into the question you had about my helping people, because mm-hmm. I don't just do it for writers, I do it for actors too. Sure. I will meet an actor, because mm-hmm. I eat out a lot, and that server just happens to be an actor. And I'll ask, you know, if they have an agent or a manager, mm-hmm. if they need help. And I just did it last week to several mm-hmm. actors. And I have uh, put together five pages of direction of how to manage themselves. Because even with an agent... It's not like you need to come out with a little ebook. You're right. But even with an agent or a manager, mm-hmm. you are still doing a lot of the work yourself, mm-hmm. Okay. And even with actors, it's confidence. Mm-hmm. It's get rid of that D word. But most importantly, the reason I help a lot of people is because I look back at my career and how it got started, and that one commercial director who helped me, and that one producer at Columbia who helped me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for them. Okay? I'm doing what I love to do, and I'm happy to be doing it. Why not help others? Okay? Do you, do you feel it ever gets in your way? Like you could oh, be doing a lot more? No, never. I always make time for that. Mm-hmm. It's my own company. Mm-hmm. I'm here seven days a week, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I love what I'm doing. I've got a great I know. Your birthday was the other day. You're still in here working. I was actually, <laughs> I was actually working on my birthday, but the next day mm-hmm. I was invited to dinner, okay. went to this incredibly, you know, high-level five-star steakhouse mm-hmm. where they actually raised their own cattle. Okay. And they the cut cows the, in the back just moving. Huh? Well, they weren't, in the, they weren't in the back. I think that was the chef. But no, they they that's how. Yes, it's expensive, but the quality of the meat is superb. Okay, so I did celebrate my birthday after all. Okay, but no, I um I am here seven days a week unless there's something else going on because I again love it and there's a lot of work that I'm doing. But do I find time to still help people all the time? Yeah. Okay. And why? Because I just that's me. Okay. And I'm grateful. For those who help me, mm-hmm. even in my training to be an AD or in working as a UPM, mm-hmm. there's always help that's needed. Okay, and even with working with writers, mm-hmm. I don't work with writers with an attitude that hey, I'm the producer, just write what I tell you to. Oh no, mm-hmm. that's not me at all. <laughs> to me, and this is part of my own personality, when I'm working with people, I am no different than them. We're equal. Yeah. Okay, if I treat people like I'm more important, that's not going to work. Sure. Never does. Filmmaking is a team effort. Mm-hmm. Most importantly is that script. Okay, and I'm working on several scripts right now. I just finished rewriting three scripts, mm-hmm. okay, at the same time. And the people I was working with loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't claim to be a writer. I never will be. I don't take writing credit for as much as I participate mm-hmm. in the process. I don't want it, mm-hmm. okay? But it's a very... Well, you great... respect the craft. Yes, I do. You know what I mean? That's, no. Yeah, I feel I like... respect... Writing is not only one of the most important parts of a film being made or a TV show mm-hmm. or, a, or even a webisode, if you don't have a good script, you have nothing. Sure. Okay? Absolutely. And that's why I spend as much time as I do with the writers mm-hmm. in making sure that we've got the best script that we can. And that's why on this film I'm about to go into production on this year, it's a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. we spent 10 months rewriting it. She had presented it to me originally. It was already written. Mm-hmm. I loved it. But I said, and again, an important factor all your writers, is it commercial enough? Mm-hmm. Can it appeal to the largest number of people. That's the part of, as a graduate of of film school, the part that I didn't like that I learned very quickly was this is not just an artistic field. It's a business. Mm -hmm. And it's more so today than it was back then. Let me me back up a little bit. Let's talk about some of the projects you worked on 
um, as a, as a as an AD sure. and as a line producer, and um, how you started Merrill Entertainment. Oh, okay. Let's get into that. Well, again, as a trainee, I was given the opportunity to work on some really good features uh, and TV series. And again, it's going to going to date myself, but that's okay. Right. Um, I did a lot of work at Columbia and Warner Brothers in those days. There were TV shows as famous as Fancy Island. Mm-hmm. There was one that's the even... Play. Oh, yeah. There's, and he was short. It wasn't a visual effect. Um, there was one called Heart to Heart with that. Robert J. Wagner. Uh, I was given the pleasure of calling him RJ, which is what he likes to be called, mm-hmm. uh, and Stephanie Powers. Mm-hmm. So I worked on that series and, and another series with William Shatner called T.J. Hooker. Mm-hmm. That was done back then, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of TV movies, um, Bewitched, that TV movie is redone, but by that time I was already in AD. Sure. So as a trainee, you work usually about a year and a half because okay. it takes time to gather the number of days. Mm-hmm. But you're still doing the work of an AD, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of my work was with Columbia and Warner Brothers. I also worked as an AD at 20th Century Fox. had the honor of working with John uh, Ritter before okay. he passed away sure. on his TV series, Hooperman. <laughs> the honor of working at L.A. Law, mm-hmm. another great series. Sure. Um, I'm hoping I can remember a lot of the work that I did, but um, I've worked at every studio I think there is, mm-hmm. and then I decided to go independent. And in going independent, I had the a great honor of working with Stephen J. Cannon. Oh, wow. um, and I actually saw him just shortly before he passed away. Yeah, yeah, the, what I liked about him, and maybe that's why I am the way I am too, mm-hmm. is when I first met him in his building on Hollywood Boulevard, I'm in an elevator, he gets in, and I say, oh, good morning, Mr. Cannon. <laughs> First thing he says to me is, Todd, call me Steve. Mm. Okay? He was that way. Mm -hmm. Okay? And it it appeared he didn't dress in a suit. Mm -hmm. He was just a casual kind of person, and so am I. Mm -hmm. But it's that attitude that rubbed off on me, and I still practice it, you know, today. So it's a matter of, I worked on a lot of his shows. Um, T.J. Hooker. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, not your option. A-Team. Oh, yeah. And Riptide. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stingray. So the 80s were hot. You had to bring up the year. <laughs> I think anybody who's a who's a fanboy knows exactly. What you're I know. Talking I'm about. just being tough on that. Uh, yes, they were. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was is that that um, Cannell Productions was one of the first productions to actually use a warehouse in uh, Valencia. Oh, okay. Is it Valencia. Yeah. yeah, up north. Yeah, yeah. where they're now. I used to do the Power Rangers out there. Okay. Yeah. Now there's studios up there. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine and a partner of mine is the executive producer of NCIS, mm-hmm. and they do their sh- show up there too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Stephen J. Cannell Productions was the first one to actually shoot up. I think 18 was up there the first. Okay. And then Riptide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a lot of really good experience. I did a lot of independent features too, mm-hmm. okay, um, which are just as good. Yeah. You know, there's, they're no different. That's what kills mm-hmm. me about mm-hmm. even today, whether it be a studio feature TV show or an independent or a low budget, no matter what level of your budget, mm-hmm. you're still going to have a sandbag, you're still going to have a C-stand, you're still going to use a dolly, True. you're still got these lights, mm-hmm. you know, that part's not different, okay? Do you do you have more when you have a bigger budget? Is there more people and more, well, of course. more toys? What you will get with a bigger budget, because I'll be honest with you, even as a producer, mm-hmm. the biggest part of a large budget, the most money, mm-hmm. is above the line. Writer, sure. producer, director, mm-hmm. actors, Okay. That's where a lot of the money is spent. So if you're doing a $25 million picture or even higher, $40 million picture, mm-hmm. I'm just going to estimate, based on experience, at least 15 of that 40 is above the line. Got it. Okay, maybe even more. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we have unions, mm-hmm. and we love all of our unions. I belong to several myself. Mm-hmm. So we have minimums, you know, and it does add up. But it what does. the public doesn't understand is that except for maybe a TV series, 
Some people don't work 12 months a year. No. So by making maybe more per week than the average person does, it will keep them going for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, I just feel very fortunate as an AD. I worked average 10 months out of the year, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's very good. Amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, So it's just a matter of a large budget. There are some things that you can have that a low budget won't. More crew, Mm -hmm. more equipment. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's specialty equipment out there that does cost more. Types of cranes, Mm -hmm. certain types of dollies. So you are allowed that certain type of of lights. If you want to shoot night for night, Mm -hmm. those lights are expensive, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So a larger budget film will allow you to rent more location facilities that normally a low budget can't. Mm -hmm. Um, It allows more money in all departments, but there's... Two departments that no matter what the budget size is, that I will not allow to affect What's that it? department. Okay? I'm serious. You got me. Where Two departments. Yeah. And I'm dead serious about this. All right. In all of my budgets, low and high, mm-hmm. craft service <laughs> and the caterer <laughs> will never <laughs> yes. be cut into. I said. And as a producer and as an AD UPM, I know from experience, if you keep that crew happy mm-hmm. and food keeps them happy, They'll do their best for you. Trust me. <laughs> if they go to craft service mm-hmm. and the craft service person tells them, chips, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I can barely afford water. Mm-hmm. Okay. That crew is going to turn on you. Absolutely. Not directly, mm-hmm. but suddenly that, you know, seven page day in 12 hours, mm-hmm. you've only done three pages in 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Why? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Gee, I don't know. Me. Maybe because we don't have <laughs> chips. <laughs> But seriously, it's true. It is true. So a craft service table needs to have whatever the crew wants. I agree. Okay? Same with the caterer. Mm -hmm. Um, When you go to budget catering, you can get caterers for $15 a plate for lunch, Mm -hmm. up to $22 a plate. Okay? Even higher. Mm -hmm. Um, I have my favorite caterers out there, Mm -hmm. but I will get what's best for the crew. Okay? And I'll also ask the crew before we even start shooting, what do you want? Sure, you got vegetarians. you got some people that have certain conditions they can't eat. And I'll make sure my caterer has everything to feed the crew. Now, it's funny you say that because <clears throat> one of the things that I teach these classes about, you know, how to make indie films and stuff like that, I'm just talking $50,000, $100,000, but tiny, tiny budgets. And the first thing I always tell everybody is when I have my first, when I know who my crew is and my director, if I'm producing a project, first thing I do a week or two before I, because remember, we don't have the writers and the agents telling you what you want and all that shit. It's just, you know, I mean, we're doing it SAG, but everybody else is non-union. So what I'll do is I'll call my director, my um, AD, my um, first two or three leads, and my DP. Mm-hmm. And I want to know exactly that. Is there Because for me, I would say is there one thing you need on a set that when we are the most stressed, you're going to be okay about? For me... It's a large hot chocolate from Coffee Bean. I'll be good the whole day because yeah. I'll just sip on it all day. I just got to keep warming it up. You know what I mean? So, and I'm always surprised about the one thing people ask for. Yeah. You know? Well, that's even the first day of production, I would tell the crew, mm-hmm. you know, before we even roll the camera for the first time, I'd like to just, you know, say hello to everybody, sure. meet everybody who I haven't met. But most importantly, I said, by the way, you know, the caterer's been here since crew time. Mm-hmm. When you got a chance, you got an extra <laughs> moment, please. Walk over to the caterer. Mm-hmm. If you have any special needs for lunch, let them know. Mm-hmm. And because you're here every day and so are they, you know, when we need them, mm-hmm. they'll be able to cook that for you. Sure. The last thing I want to hear is a crew member or several crew members come running up to me, Todd, 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 mm-hmm. what is wrong with this caterer? <laughs> he or they, they don't have this. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
They will if you let them know. Sure. Okay. And the same with craft service. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you'll let them know what you need and what you have to have, they'll get it. And as a producer, that mm-hmm. is money well spent. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are other places to save money. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the best part of producing for me is keeping the crew happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a family on the set. Mm-hmm. And if it's not a family, that's a problem. A rule of mine is if I'm on the set for a half an hour and I don't hear one person laugh, something's wrong. Mm, okay. That's interesting. We're there to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's work. Mm-hmm. But especially a TV series where this crew is together for eight to ten months. Sure. They need to get along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And even a feature film, it's a family. You have to get along. Okay. Uh, as an ADUPM, I would put in 16 to 18 hours a day on a feature film. Mm-hmm. You know, did I have to? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to. Okay, especially as a well, second. Well, it looks good for you to be the first one there and the last one to leave, too. Though. And I was. Yeah. And I, and I still am. And yeah. Even as a producer, um, I might be on the set, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you something. <clears throat> you won't see me do much except standing around. Mm-hmm. If there's a problem on the set, I won't be the first one to run in. And here's why. Mm-hmm. I trust my first AD. Mm-hmm. I trust my UPM. Let them handle it. Mm-hmm. Okay? I just know from experience, the last thing the crew wants is a producer who thinks he knows it all mm-hmm. and doesn't respect them. Mm-hmm. and doesn't let them do their job, mm-hmm. okay? I certainly know from production, that's why I'm so grateful that I became an ADUPM. I know production. Mm-hmm. And that's why in talking with DPs, like on my next feature, they're like, wow, you know about that? So they know they're not dealing with somebody who doesn't know production. Sure. They can't ask for a certain crane or a certain lighting setup mm-hmm. that I'm going to say, we don't need that, okay? <laughs> but what they do appreciate is when I tell them in the budget, I've got a pre-rigging for that set, and they're like, oh, my God, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Okay. Because I understand pre-rigging, sure. okay? But getting back you know, to the, the set, I'm there to let the people that were hired to do their job do it, mm-hmm. okay? I don't know wardrobe. I don't know set design. That's why hiring the production designer the, the best you can for that particular type sure. of film is so important. Mm-hmm. And just an example, I, we have production meetings with all the department heads before we start shooting mm-hmm. in pre-production. And at the end of one of my meetings, I said to the whole department heads, by the way, once we go into production, or even in pre-production especially, if you see something that can be done safer, better, cheaper, you know, or, or in less time, please let me know. And one guy raised his hand and says, you know what, Todd, are you serious? I said, of course I am. <laughs> I said, I just got off a Bruckheimer film, and I would, he would never allow that. Mm-hmm. I said, guys, I don't care. I'm not Jerry. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. He may be doing better than I am. I don't care. <laughs> You have to as a producer, and this is the same with writers too, mm-hmm. whether it be on the set or in my office or in wherever they're writing, you need to make them feel comfortable, okay? The more comfortable the crew feels, the better you're going to get out of them, the more work, okay? So like I said, even with writers, and I've been working recently with a lot of writers, mm-hmm. I work with them equally. I want their opinion, mm-hmm. okay? And especially this one writer I just started writing with, he's still a student, mm-hmm. okay? He's still in school, Okay. I see that's amazing to me because here you are over at the lot, you've been producer for many years on a lot of projects and yet you're still willing to work with somebody who's still a student. Yeah. And I think it's super important for the kids out there to hear there are lots of producers like you who are willing to work with people and even guide them and you, you gotta teach these people stuff. Right. You know what I mean? I mean I I say this only as helping the, the viewers, you know, the listeners to your program. Um there's a website that's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's called inktip.com. Oh. Okay, you probably know of it. If I've you're been on there many times. Exactly. <laughs> if you're a writer that has projects that you've written and you want to be exposed, 
There's many ways of doing, but one way you've got to do is mm-hmm. inktip.com. Mm-hmm. Or the and blacklist I'll, or any of those. Right, exactly. Sure. But I'll, I'll even I'll tell your viewers, if if submitting your, your projects to that website, they want a reference, use my name. They know me. I've known the owner for years, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, my next project I'm doing, I found on inktip, mm-hmm. okay? But that's why my attitude is with this student especially. Um, he's a first-time writer. He has written one other script for a class, okay? Mm-hmm. But he had... He had something in him which is a key word with me in writing as well as in any aspect of film production, including mm-hmm. actors and the crew. Every writer has to have passion. Oh, my God. Oh, you know it. Come <laughs> on. Um, so when I saw mm-hmm. as an intern that he had interest in looking over this outline that my co-producer and I had put together, mm-hmm. it was a long outline. It was a very detailed <laughs> outline. It was so detailed just for the audience to know, they went James Cameron on them with the camera. <laughs> it was a 58-page outline. Oh, my God. And basically, it, it was the whole script without the dialogues. Jesus we didn't do dialogue, okay? Yeah, yeah. So I had him read it. Mm-hmm. He loved the story. It was a story about this group of six teenagers in their 13, 14 years. Of course, he's a student at 20. Mm-hmm. He could still relate to it. Yeah, and that, years ago. Yeah. Hilliard, that is the reason why I wanted and I convinced my partner to use him. Mm-hmm. Because he was young. Mm-hmm. And he could relate to the, what was going on. And I also, and here's another important factor to all you writers, no matter whether first time or young or old, what I got from him, mm-hmm. more than that passion, was that I was showing him respect. I was giving him an opportunity for him to prove himself. Absolutely. Okay? And so when I, and he was right here in my Somebody's office. Somebody's trusting him. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was right here in my office, and my, my direction to him as far as rules or whatever of writing was simply look, you're writing. But while you're here in front of me, questions, ask them. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he asked me was, Todd, I know you and your partner put together this outline, but if I think there's a different or better way of doing it, can I? Mm-hmm. And I almost stood up and applauded. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm like, his name is Greg. I'm like, wow, thank you, Greg. Mm-hmm. I am so happy you told me that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes with a capital Y. <laughs> Do it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he did it quite a bit, mm-hmm. but for the better of the script. Mm-hmm. Okay? He came up with ideas that my co-writer and I, who were certainly not kids, mm-hmm. we couldn't come up with. We couldn't relate to. But he could. Mm-hmm. One aspect he also did very you know, well is the dialogue was good. Sure. They spoke like 14, 15-year-olds. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew what that language was. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's another script I just got that I'm having a meeting on later today that the writer's dialogue was terrible. Mm. It was a period piece, 50s and 60s, but yet the people are talking like the 90s and, and 2000s. You know? <laughs> So it's so important for the writers listening to understand, you know, if you're passionate about it and you express that passion, you know, visually and verbally to that producer, I hope they'll reward you like I do in just giving you free reins to be a writer. Okay. But everybody does it. And I think that's the truth. You know what I mean? That's why I think you're so unique, you know, is that you are willing to do that. You know, um, I go as far as... If you're not going to take the time to read the books and take the classes, I want you to read the scripts. I would rather you read the scripts than to watch the movies and the TV shows. There's something about the way things look on page. Yeah. You, know, you can't help but learn the pros and how they use the actions and how they did the transition and move from this scene to this scene. You can't help but see it in the writing on the page. You know, so for me, if, if I had a writer who was, I was working with was going to write something – I would suggest to them another kick-ass script in the same genre and let them read it just to just to feel 
see how good this is, see the dialogue, see how they open it, see how they end in Act One. This is what we're trying to get to. Yeah. And and they'll start to see it. You know what I mean? Go ahead. Yeah. No, but I think that's, again, one of the products I just finished rewriting with the original two writers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they gave me their original script, and they also had a director already attached. And luckily for them, I was a longtime friend of that director. Okay. So I trusted he would be attached to a project wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the story that they were doing, I didn't think was that good or that well told. Sure. And they were willing to work with me on rewriting it. Again, that was eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And, and it finally got completed. And it's mm-hmm. such a different story. Mm-hmm. Same plot, but much better told. Now it's developed. It's, thank you. <laughs> There's a key word. That's the key, yes. right? Not only is it developed, but what I did that for some reason they didn't do mm-hmm. was I made the characters worth watching. Okay, you you relate them. Yeah, relatable. One of the secrets I I don't know if it's a secret, but one one of the techniques that I use as a producer in working with writers, Mm -hmm. and I think the writers and correct me if I'm wrong, should do this too. Take yourself off the screen or off the page. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in the audience. You have to become an audience member. I'm watching this film now. This Mm -hmm. story is being told to me. Do I understand it? Mm -hmm. Is it clear what's trying to be told to me? Mm -hmm. Because and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it just, might be just my rule and not the, a real writer's rule, mm-hmm. but I try to have every scene only try to make one point. If you try to make two or three points in the same scene, Agreed. it's going to be difficult for the audience to understand. Yeah, every scene needs to be about something. That's why they say every scene's about something. About one something thing. that moves the, the story forward. Exactly. Okay? And that's so important. You're moving the story forward. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's why I also tell writers, I said, make sure that you don't have a lot of talk that says nothing, okay? Just introduce the scene to what the importance of that scene is about, okay? And if the script, the story is structured correctly, they'll get it, mm-hmm. okay? But that's what I did for this story. I said, I know what you guys are trying to say. You're not saying it. Mm-hmm. But here's what else I did. There was no supporting characters, mm-hmm. okay? Well, mainly because one of the writers is also an actor, and he wants to play the lead role. <laughs> I'm serious, okay? <laughs> and he's going to, uh-huh. But in order for me to make this a commercial project mm-hmm. and not just do the film festival route, which mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe in as much as it used to be, mm-hmm. because film festivals today are more markets than festivals. Mm-hmm. At least the big ones are. Mm-hmm. You know? So he was open to my making changes. The changes I made was I, I put in a female supporting role mm-hmm. and I put in an older male supporting role, which in his original script were very minor. Okay. I increased, so you bumped them up. Oh, I increased their importance mm-hmm. so much. And here's why. Because if I want to get a recognizable actor to play the female role and the male role, they're not going to do it because of five pages of dialogue. No. So I did that. I'm glad we did that because now I can produce the film and make it commercial Mm -hmm. knowing that I can get a recognizable name. In fact, one of the names I'll just throw out there, John Goodman, Mm -hmm. to play the older role, Mm -hmm. he's perfect for it. And he's also a member of the same fraternity that I belong to. And we have a a big gathering of all of our members every two years. So two years ago, it's called Conclave, John was there mm-hmm. and met him. And this man spoke with every brother that wanted to talk to him. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. But believe it or not, whether you've been in a fraternity or sorority and understand what that brotherhood is all about, or even sisterhood, believe it or not, because John is a Sigma, a Sigma Phi Epsilon or Sig Ep like I am, mm-hmm. that will mean something to him because I'm going to ask him to play that role. Absolutely. And as a producer, knowing I want to get a big name to play that role, mm-hmm. I can shoot it in two or three days. Not a lot. Why? Because it's a low-budget film. Yeah. It's low-budget, which is so funny because low-budget nowadays can still be $5 million, mm-hmm. where in the earlier days of the 80s, 
Five million was not a low budget film. Low budget was hundreds of thousands. Okay, so as a producer working with a writer, I keep that in mind, and that's so much important as a writer. You've got to keep in mind. I'm telling a story. How can I tell this story to entertain the audience sure. to hold their attention? One of the other rules I have, Hilliard, and again, you'll always correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think as an audience member, and again as a writer producer. I don't want to write a story that's going to make the audience have to think. Mm. I don't want to have to make them think, oh, hold on a second. I remember the first 10 minutes he found this or she said that, which now an hour later, I get why there's – no, don't do that. Yeah. Okay? Just make it, as clear, <laughs> yeah, make it as clear as you can. Mm-hmm. Sure, for mysteries or dramas, mm-hmm. you cannot tell everything. Okay? See, that's the problem. A lot of younger writers – are trying to bring in curiosity, but they don't know how to use curiosity. Well, one of the other rules I have, we all know what a hook is, sure. okay? You need to hook the audience, in my book, in the first 10 or 12 pages. And I say even faster than that now. Wow. But I, I, three pages is all I give you. I, I'm never going to work with yeah, you. I get, I, get <laughs> a, I get a really fast. How, how quick? Three or four pages, I'm in. Well, when I say hook, I mean that they get the plot, mm-hmm. that they understand the main characters, mm-hmm. And they're on the edge of their seat. That's what I mean by hook. Yeah. And I can do it at least 10. If you're doing okay. it three, okay, that's okay. fine. If you can, great. You know what it is? I think because I go back and forth between TV and film. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so I'm always thinking about, in a television way, how to open up on that quick little cold open, that quick little teaser. So I still do it when I write a feature. Oh, okay. I but, still do a teaser, but the teaser tells you the story and it ends on a big button. Bam, somebody gets shot. Right. You know, whatever the fuck. Speaking of teaser... <clears throat> Um, trailer, movie trailers, yeah. I'm, I'm just sorry that they do this, but they lie to the audience. Oh, God, yeah. There are things in movie trailers that were planned before the film was even shot. So that as the film is being shot, they're purposely shot, even though they'll never show up in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's just to get you to go see the movie. Sure. It's a business. Mm-hmm. But even, whether it's they shoot days, a separate trailer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's companies out there, two are really the biggest and the best. That's mm-hmm. all they do is make trailers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Danny DeVito was in a trailer of a movie once, but was never in the film. I didn't get that, okay? But getting back to what you and I are both saying, whether it's three pages or ten, as a writer, you need to make sure the plot is clear, that you've you've attracted the audience's attention. You've intrigued them. You're not giving them the whole story, but you're making them think, wow, that's interesting, or what's going to happen? Why is he doing that? You're keeping them on the edge of their seat enough that they are following the story, which is why it's so important to have good subplots, Okay. Um, good backstories, subplots are all elements that all your viewing or listening, you know, writers know about. Mm-hmm. They better. But that's why when you write a script, you're a storyteller. Okay? So as a storyteller, I'm a good storyteller, mm-hmm. make sure that you are I'll tell you another best analogy for being a good storyteller. Stand up comedians mm-hmm. have the hardest job. Okay? <laughs> they really do. And whether they're sitting down or standing up and, and I just talk about helping people. Mm-hmm. One of my writers on a TV pilot, it's a comedy, I've known her for a while, she finally, I met her in New York, that's where she lives, and she finally told me, ideally, she wants to be a stand-up. And I'm like, then why aren't you doing that? I know you as a writer. So as a Christmas gift one year, I gave her four months lessons from, an app, from a comedy you know, teacher school about being a stand-up and, and doing improv. She took it. And then I pushed her to do open mics, okay? 
it's been a little while now, but she is now doing stand-up work. Mm. And she's very good. Okay. And people love her. Yeah. Okay? Um, so, again, I just pushed her because I could. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's a matter of stand-up comedy is difficult. But what they all do the same is they set the story up, mm-hmm. and then they give you the punchline. Mm-hmm. But once they give you the punchline, either you laugh or you don't. Mm-hmm. Same with writing. As a comedian does, your first and second act, you are setting up the punchline, mm-hmm. which is usually the third act. Okay, That's how you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. How can I keep the audiences interested in this story mm-hmm. until I finally reveal in the third act how it's going to end? Sure. Okay, And for any genre that works. It's not easy. Believe no. me. I feel That's for writers. That's why it's a craft. Yeah. yeah. I really feel for writers. <clears throat> all the writers who are listening, believe me, mm-hmm. I hope all producers feel the same way. It's the hardest part of filmmaking. Although I deeply respect the director of photography, the director, the production designer, everybody I respect, Mm -hmm. okay? Because that's their craft. From props to wardrobe, lighting, Mm -hmm. you know, there isn't one person on a set or a crew of mine Mm -hmm. that I don't have equal respect for, Mm -hmm. okay? I was a PA once myself. Mm -hmm. They're very valuable, okay? Don't treat them... There was a commercial on TV once, a long time ago. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was about a film crew. Mm-hmm. And a guy up on a ladder, high up on a ladder, working on a light, looks down to the PA and says, hey, do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Get me a spinner. Mm-hmm. And the kid, yeah, the yeah. kid looks in his face like, uh-oh, he wants a spinner? Mm-hmm. So this gentleman was obviously an electrician. Mm-hmm. He goes running all over the set. They're on a stage. <laughs> doesn't know what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. He sees cable. He sees, you know, uh, Clothing, clothing pins and stuff, mm-hmm. finally stops, you know, and asks people. You know, actually doesn't stop and ask people. He wants to hold his pride. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's lost. <laughs> he finally runs past that same guy up in the ladder. The guy stops mm-hmm. and says, oh, hold on. No problem. I've already got it. And he's holding a stir stick for his mm-hmm. coffee. <laughs> That's a spinner. Exactly. It was a point well made, though. Well, it's okay. funny you say that because a mentor friend of mine who you know um, – told me years ago when I started directing and producing projects, <clears throat> he said, never go on the set. If somebody asks you for something, don't tell them you don't know what it is. He said, you find somebody else who knows what it is, and you come back <laughs> looking like you knew what you're talking about. Uh-huh. You know, so I do that now on the set. When I get all my PAs together and I organize them, and the first thing I always ask them is, what do you want to be? I want to be a director. I want to be a writer. I'm like, okay, well, you stick with me. <laughs> you know, I want to be a producer. Okay, I want you to go over there and follow my other producer. Whatever it is that they want to be, I want them to be on the set doing what they want to do. And then I end with saying, if there's anything somebody asks you and you don't know, come to me. Because I know most of it, and if I don't, I'll figure it out. Right. <clears throat> on that same, you know, aspect, I agree, mm-hmm. but I also tell my interns, especially because I have interns all the time, mm-hmm. or, or PAs, okay, sure. especially PAs or interns, people in the entry-level position, okay, mm-hmm. I always tell them there is never a stupid question you can ask, sure. okay, because you're learning, mm-hmm. and I know you're learning, especially mm-hmm. my interns, okay, mm-hmm. but even PAs, I'd rather PA ask, you know, and I'm, I'm actually forgetting, I think they, they gave a name to the paper, to the um, clothing pins, it's like 467 or something, there's a number, yeah, there's a number. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. and mm-hmm. they play jokes on PAs all the time, oh, get me a 467, mm-hmm. and they have no idea what he wants, okay, mm-hmm. But this is a little clip. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of things on a set that have been given names Mm -hmm. just because like a C stand. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's no other reason it's called that other than just abbreviation of what it's really called. Okay. 
But if you're new to the business, you may not know what that is, okay? So that's why whether you're a PA or an intern, and I say this because it's true, even a writer. Mm-hmm. When I'm working with writers, what I hate the most is when they say something like, I'll find something in the script. I don't understand why it's that way. Mm-hmm. They go, oh, well, sorry, Todd. I, I probably should have asked you. I'm like, of course you should have. That's annoying. Yeah, I hate hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So in working with writers, there's never a stupid question. I don't mind them saying something, oh, well, I was trying to do it so that the end of Act 2, this happened, but I can see what you're saying because maybe they we need to go to the left instead of the right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever. You know? No, exactly. Yeah. But this is a craft, and nobody's perfect, mm-hmm. okay? And like I said, it's a team effort. And in working with the writers I've recently worked with on the rewriting of those scripts, mm-hmm. I try never to give the impression that my ideas are correct and there's a wrong, mm-hmm. uh, especially on this one that was pretty much a page one rewrite, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for some reason, I just had more creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not a writer. But then working with the writers, they were able to take those creative ideas of mine and make them work in the story. And that's well, important. You, you just said something interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> one of my friends, Pilar Alessandra, I don't know if you ever heard of her. She's one of the biggest like, screenwriting gurus. Mm-hmm. And she's not a writer either. She's written a book, um, but she's not a screenwriter. But everybody and their mother goes to take classes from her. She's one of the best. And... She made the comment, too. We, I was interviewing her. She's like, well, I'm not a writer, but blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but you've earned it. You know, you've proven yourself over the years. You, you probably need to stop saying that. Yeah. You know, you say, I'm a producer, so I understand screenwriting, but I hate that. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you're downgrading yourself in any kind okay. of way, but you just need to qualify it another way. I think. No, actually, I'll, I'll guarantee you sense. and your listeners, yeah. seriously, that from this day on, I will never say that again. Okay, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. Uh, because you're right. Um, it's not like you're new. No, no I'm a creative, <laughs> you know I'm a creative I mean? person who has creative ideas. And part of the reason I have those creative ideas isn't just because it's, it's in me, it's instinct. Mm-hmm. But I've got a board behind me that obviously they can't see, but on that board is probably a list of at least 15 projects I'm working on right mm-hmm. now. Okay, Some are TV, some are film. Sure. A lot of them are based on ideas that I have developed, but not just suddenly I woke up one day and said, wow. Mm-hmm. And what compliments me is that one of those ideas up there, I'm still developing and it's still going to happen, mm-hmm. but I noticed there was a feature film announced yesterday mm-hmm. very similar to it, okay, based on a book mm-hmm. that was out. Okay. I'm not concerned about it because the book is dealing with the subject matter differently than I am, sure. okay? But here's another example. There's a website on Facebook mm-hmm. that I became aware of. Not a website. I mean, there's a page on Facebook I became aware of. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say it has to do with a company that hires models to be servers or be hosts, um, okay, at parties, okay? I know where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought of an idea for a dramatic TV show that I have now developed mm-hmm. and will be selling, you know, soon. Mm-hmm. But it was just based on that Facebook page, mm-hmm. okay? So creatively, what I mean by creative, and writers should be the same way. It should be. The, le- the, the worst thing to do as a writer is to try to write to the truth of reality. No. It's like reality shows. I've developed several of those and I'm currently doing several reality mm-hmm. shows. What the public, especially the public not in the business, reality shows. Yeah. yeah. What the public doesn't realize is they're not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> reality shows have to be scripted. Yeah, absolutely. Even though they're technically not mm-hmm. supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Watch the credits of a reality show mm-hmm. and you'll see written by credits, mm-hmm. directed by credits. And you'll see, I've, I've and you'll see casting some. credits. I don't know exactly what you're okay. <laughs> this, again, to your listeners, this is an entertainment business. Mm-hmm. How would you feel about putting something on TV 
that you sent a camera crew of six cameramen Mm -hmm. to somebody's business or home for two months straight just Mm -hmm. to capture what they actually did every day. Mm -hmm. And if you did that, and it costs you six hundred thousand. And when you give it to the editors, and they say, "Excuse me, Todd, not one minute of what they shot will work." No, that's why they don't do that. Yeah. Everything you is gotta plan something. Everything you is very well up. planned. Yes, exactly. they don't call it scripted; they call it prompted. Mm-hmm. Okay, a good friend of mine's Cameron on one of those shows mm-hmm. about the women of. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he admits they do six to eight takes average. I'm sure. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. It's reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he laughs. And so do I. And why do they have fights all the time on those shows? Of course, it's drama. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the same with in being creative. Mm-hmm. Those were real-life situations that inspired my concepts. Mm-hmm. But then I said, okay, I'm in the real-life inspired show idea. Let's go outside the box. Okay? You should please, be going outside the box. Please, writers, go outside the box. Yes. Don't dare keep yourself in the box. The box is real life. Mm-hmm. No. Use real life as an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Take it outside the box. Be entertaining. Do things that, again, here's a little the way I am. Do things that the viewing audience, while they're watching it, will secretly, quietly say to themselves, oh, my God, I wish I could do that. Absolutely. Or I wish I had done that. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, my God, I've done that. Mm-hmm. And look how they resolved it. Maybe that will work for me. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand that you're writing for an audience. An audience, and here's the hardest part about writing, and I do feel strongly about this for, you know, bad for, for writers. Mm-hmm. You're writing for a, a large number of people that think differently, sure. that live differently, that laugh differently. Comedy <laughs> is the hardest thing to write. Mm-hmm. It really is. But don't be worried. Do your best. Mm-hmm. Never give up and realize even if you, if you don't laugh, you know, you're entertaining them still. Sure. Okay? Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to end it right there because you gave them a lot of game right there. That was a nice little segue into stop the motherfucking truck. <laughs> whether and I won't tell any more stories, but a real quick sure, summary is the fact that whether it be that student or first time writers mm-hmm. or writers who have written twenty scripts but nothing's been produced, okay? When I'm looking for a writer, I'm looking for someone who believes in themselves, who is passionate about what they're doing. It's almost like when I go out to eat and a server serves me and I look at them and say, wow, I hope they're an actor, but I don't say that. Mm-hmm. I just say, excuse me, by the way, besides working here, do you have another career? Mm-hmm. And the person that immediately with a smile says, yes, I'm an actor, mm-hmm. I'll ask for their headshot or I'll give them my card. Mm-hmm. But for the one that says, well, um, I like makeup, I do wardrobe, and, I, and then mm-hmm. finally says, oh, and I act. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they're not, okay? So as writers, if you're ever asked what you do, what you want to answer proudly with a smile is, I'm a writer. Yeah, because I don't like the word aspiring. I'm no. an aspiring. I'm an aspiring actor, aspiring writer, aspiring dancer. No. I'm like, no, you motherfucker, you do it. Exactly. <laughs> right? Believe in yourself, writers. There are a lot of producers out there, hopefully, that have the same attitude I do, mm-hmm. that I need you. I'm, I'm a creative person that needs someone who knows how to put it on paper. Sure. Okay? And I'm open mm-hmm. to your creativity. I'm open to your changing things to make the story the best it can be. Well, let me ask you, because people are going to be emailing me like crazy. So can people submit to you? Is there anything you're looking for? Are you closed doors? What do you? No, I'm, I'm open to new ideas. I'll let them know this. The, there's only two genres that I just don't like to do. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi. Okay. Now, by saying sci-fi, I'm not eliminating futuristic films. 
In fact, I'm doing a future film right now that the writer said, oh, I'm sorry, you can't read my script. It's a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I read the synopsis and said, that's not a sci-fi. It's just taking place in the future. <laughs> okay? So I don't just do actual sci-fis. Okay. And I don't like to do action-adventure, even though I've worked on the Die Hards and the Lethal Weapons. Mm-hmm. I don't do those for myself because I just don't want to. They don't move you? Um, if it's a good story, sure, it could. Okay. But I don't do action-adventures that are mainly blood and and guts and sex and and that's all. Okay. If there's a good story there, okay, that's different. Mm-hmm. But by saying action adventure, I mean that the only reason they see it is because there's a bunch of gunfighting and and killing and blood mm-hmm. and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I'd be open, you know, to submissions because there are so many good stories out there that need to be told. Sure. You know, whether it be TV or film, I do both. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they're different writing styles. So yes, I'll be I'll be happy to budgets. Um, I'll be honest with you. As an independent producer, I like to stay twenty twenty five million or below. Okay, okay. That's not that I can't number. not that number. I can't do higher. I can, but and I mean this sincerely. Mm-hmm. For a really good story, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now again, period pieces, of course, that does add to the budget. Mm-hmm. But if it's a modern day script, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And as a good producer, I'm able to figure out how to make it affordably, okay? And even if I want to get a big-name actor and my budget's only $5 million, if the script, and I mean this sincerely, if the script is that good, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. They can get back-end, mm-hmm. or they're doing so well in their career, they don't need to make the money that much, sure. okay? So, yeah, I'll, I'd like to see some scripts that, in your judgment as a writer, can be made for $20 million or less. Because okay. that's, real quick, another thing when I'm working with writers... I say, don't think about the budget when you're writing. That's mm-hmm. not your job, mm-hmm. okay? Because that means creatively you're not. Uh, I try to teach that. However, okay. now, now that I produce, it's always in my head. Well, so it has I'm to be. always you're right. trying to figure out another way to write a scene that, that doesn't need the gunshot. Right. <laughs> Whatever, that doesn't need the big eyes. Well, I, under- I understand cost, and I understand what you're saying. But the only reason sometimes they cost a lot of money mm-hmm. is whether you're going to get into to visual effects or you're going to get into some explosions sure. or you're damaging something, you know. Sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. But luckily with green screen and digital effects, there's ways of getting around it costing a lot of money. And that's why Chris Nolan, great director that he is, even for his last film, Interstellar, you would think had a lot of visual effects. Mm-hmm. It didn't have as much as you think because he would rather do it real time in real life before he has to do it visually. Mm-hmm. Okay? So submit your script. I'm more concerned about the story than how much it's going to cost. Okay. And if your story, I think, is going to cost more than 20 and I like it, I can rework it to cost less than 20 Sure. Okay? But all the writers who are listening have to realize how important they are to this industry. And never think you're not. Mm-hmm. Okay? Never let well, it's, it's kind of hard for a writer to feel that when all they hear is stories of, who wants I sell my script, I'm not going to be allowed on the set, I'm not going to be allowed this. And, but you know what I mean? You hear all the stories all the time. I, and I'm sorry to Derek. I mean, my writer, uh, who's actually my next project, lives in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, she actually flew here for the, read, the table read of mm-hmm. her script. That's how important it was to her. And I invited her. She said, you're actually inviting me to a table read? She said, why not? You're the writer. You should. And she's invited on the, on the set as much as she wants to be, okay? Because by the time we start shooting... There's no reason why the writer should have to make any changes, or if the changes need to be made, they're good. Okay? In my mind, no matter whether I've already optioned it and bought the option or I've already paid the writer, they're still an important aspect of production. Mm-hmm. They're the creators. 
Okay. So I know it's easy for me to say, but what your writers have to do is day by day realize they're important. That what they do for a living is so important. Mm -hmm. They have a creative aspect that is essential to making a good film or TV show or webisode. And never doubt it. Mm -hmm. Never think they're not. And even if they meet that producer that says, well, just write it and go away. Well, okay, but don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. You know, that's their problem. Okay, always believe strongly in how good of a writer you are. Because if you ever stop believing that, Mm -hmm. then you're not a good writer. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Now, on that note, (laughs) thanks a lot, y'all. That was Todd Grodnick, you guys, over here at Merrill Entertainment, over here at the Lot Studios. Um, This is one of my one-on-one sessions with one of my producer friends. Um, I hope you guys got a lot of game out of this. This was a good one. So, Todd, uh, where can people find you? Are you on, like, LinkedIn or Facebook or anything? I'm definitely on uh, Facebook under both the name Todd Grodnick Mm -hmm. as well as Merrill Entertainment. I'm also on LinkedIn under Todd Grodnick. Um, and, you know, I don't mind it. You know, my email address is on those websites. Mm-hmm. Feel free to email me. My phone number is there. Feel free to call me. Mm-hmm. And if you do, just make reference to, you know, Hilliard Show. Sure. Um, because I'd rather find a script or a writer that I can work with and love the project and get it made. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm it doing what I do. It benefits you too. That, yeah, it, it yeah, benefits absolutely. me too. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I said, I've got three feature films that I'm going to be doing in the next you know couple of years but that doesn't mean I can't find more sure um, so yes I am open to it okay and mainly because it's from writers that I know you support alright and I, and I well, respect I mean, you a lot here's the deal we are all over the world in 50 states like 20 something countries you know 30 40,000 listeners it's uh so I don't know everybody, just so you know. No, I know you That's don't. That's why I wanted to qualify yeah. that, you know, to make sure that, because you just might get swarmed and nobody might hit you. Who knows? I know you don't, but I guess what I also mean by that, the, the underlining tone of that was that if they're listening to this show, mm-hmm. that means they already respect themselves. That okay. means they already consider themselves writers. Otherwise, yeah. why are they listening? Got it. Okay? Okay. That's the hardest part about this business, and that's why I'm still producing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've been doing this ever since I graduated. I've never stopped working since I graduated. Mm-hmm. Okay? Not because I'm that good. It's because I've never stopped believing in myself. Okay. Okay? Because as a producer, especially an independent producer, until I make a movie or a TV show, I don't get paid. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to work hard to know I can do this job mm-hmm. and have a nice office. Mm-hmm. You know? And be on, I've always been on a lot mm-hmm. someplace. I don't like office buildings. I mean, you know, I was going to ask you that earlier. One last question. Sure. Since we're at it. Why you you already start to answer the question? I was going to ask you earlier, and I started to write it down, but we I was listening to you. Why the lot or or, or a studio instead of another office, which is probably okay. cheaper? You know, it's even if it's cheaper. Um, I'm on a lot now and have been for three and a half years. Prior <laughs> to this, for many years, I was at Paramount. Yeah, because that's where I met you. Also. Right. Yeah. I was at Paramount, and prior to that, I was at the um, Sunset Gower Studios, mm-hmm. which used to be Columbia in the old days. I'll tell you why. Because I like to be surrounded by production. Sure. I like to walk outside my building, mm-hmm. and the first thing I'm seeing are stages. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm seeing production. This energy is. I'm seeing the lights and yeah. the cameras yeah. and the trucks and the equipment. Um, that's why I'm glad they shoot stuff here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why. Okay. Because at all those places I was at, I was surrounded by the industry, and especially with Paramount, especially here at the Lot Studios, mm-hmm. I have met other people in the industry. Sure. But if I'm in an office building. That doesn't guarantee me it's all film people. Not at all. You know, so it's a great networking way. Okay. You know, and luckily it's affordable. 
You know, yeah. so that that's why I'm here, yeah. and I always have been. Because yeah. I'm I'm at a place now where I'm. I was over at, God, we haven't talked in a while. I was at um, NBC Universal for a while. Of course, now it's Comcast or whatever. And um, so now I have an office at a friend's house who's never home during the day. Kick-ass house. And that's where I do my podcast usually <clears throat> over on Rimpaw. And um, so now I'm starting to think about finding another, like a yeah. real <laughs> office. But I know I want to I be. Well, I'll let you know right now, anybody you know, listening, they've got. Some decent offices here, especially for like one person, mm-hmm. affordably. Yep. You know, they're not as big as mine is right now, mm-hmm. but they're still good and they're still affordable. Okay, and I got lucky because when I took this office, only after I said I'll take it, mm-hmm. did the person tell me, "Oh, and by the way, you have a patio." And <laughs> you didn't look out the door. I, no, well, why would you look out? Because <laughs> I went. I'm not. I didn't see the door. <laughs> so then she shows me the door, mm-hmm. and I go outside, and it's like. That's a big patio. It's 50, 60 feet yeah. long, easily. Yeah. It's a huge patio, that, which used to be the backyard of Douglas Fairbanks. Wow. So during the day, every now and then, they will give tours showing people where he used to run around the backyard. Okay. I'm like, great. But no, it's a big <laughs> patio. I've got facilities out there, table chairs. I go out there and read a script. Mm-hmm. I can have meetings out there, parties out there. And it's affordable. But this is a great studio. They have a great cafe. But the offices are out there. I just can't work at home. I tried it once in between studios. I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Because at home to me is where I relax, where I eat, mm-hmm. and where I sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, the studio. No, here I work. Here I meet people, mm-hmm. and here I feel like a filmmaker. And you are exactly. <laughs> Thank you again. So uh, much. no problem. So you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room <clears throat> again. This is Hilliard Guest, and uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest, and uh, if you want to follow us on the show at Screenwriters RR. Um, you want to see, send an email to me or anything, ask any questions about the show, <clears throat> you can send it to screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. And uh, please don't forget to go on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, give us a five-star review. That's really important. We need that for the metrics. Keeps us on top. Um, and a uh, special shout-out to a couple countries. <clears throat> Canada, you guys are killing it. I appreciate the support. Um, England, you guys are huge over there. Boy, I mean, our numbers are just growing there like crazy. Uh, France, um, the Soviet Union, it's crazy. Todd, we're like all over the place. Um, Australia is another big one. We really appreciate you guys supporting us um, and shit like that. <laughs> well, I was going to say real quick, let's yeah. not forget, although it's been more than 20 years, mm-hmm. it's called the World Wide Web it for a reason. <laughs> it is indeed. So... Again, you guys are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. Special, special thank you to my man, Todd Grodnick, you guys here at Mail Entertainment. As you see, this is the type of game you guys are going to get. Um, if you guys want to send them some scripts, make sure you have really are ready for it. Okay? <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell you. So thank you again, Todd. I appreciate it. I love you. You always rock every time I see you. No, um, the same for me to you. It's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick note. If you want to maybe just send a synopsis first, yes. I'll let you know if I'm interested or not, that might be me better. Yeah. Or a log line, even. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it 100, y'all. Peace, y'all. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the way room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. We tuning it to the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. Any topic. Even the random. I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the ramble. That's it. That's all I got to say.